Hi, everyone. Welcome to this podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute for the 14th annual Pep Talk, the Protein Science Week, happening January 19th through the 23rd, 2015 in San Diego, California. I'm Ann Wynn, Associate Conference Producer. We're chatting today with our keynote speaker from the Recombinant Protein Expression and Production Conference within Pipeline Number 4 on Expression and Production, Dr. Joshua LaBear, Director of the Virginia G. Piper Center for Personalized Diagnostics, or VGP-CPD, and the Virginia G. Piper Chair personalized medicine for the Biodesign Institute of Arizona State University. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. One of your scientific contributions involved building sequence-verified recombination-based clone sets for human genes and other model organisms. What are some applications of these clones to high-throughput protein expression and purification? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. So let me mention a couple things about that. So when we first started this work, we discovered that there were not really well-characterized samples available of plasmids that encoded full-length copies of open reading frames. This dates back now 10, 15 years almost. And uh, we and a number of other groups uh, realized that it would be really valuable if, first of all, we could build such clones, that is to say, full-length open reading frames. And as a starter, we focused on wild-type sequence. And also to build them in a way that would be as flexible as possible from an experimental standpoint. And so what we started back then was to clone these open reading frames into a recombination-based cloning system. And there are a number of these available. The one that we've used a lot is the Gateway cloning system that's a product of Life Technologies, but there are others, you know, CloneTech had a system, and there are a few others that are available, like the Creator system. The key element of these systems is that the gene of interest, or the open reading frame, is flanked by site-specific recombination sequences such that if you build a master clone that has a fully sequenced insert, you can readily transfer that insert into any number of other protein expression vectors that would take the insert, drop it directly in frame into the into the expression vector such that the cis-acting sequences that produce the protein are present and any epitope tags or functional tags will be added to the protein in frame and ready to go. These site-specific recombination systems generally work such that you can do the whole reaction in a single tube and they're efficient enough if you if you rig them with the appropriate selectable markers such that the only viable product you get after you run the reaction is the gene transferred into the new vector. And, and what that means in, in functional terms is that if you build a library of master clones in the entry vector or the sort of starting vector, the master vector, if you will, if you build the entire library of clones in that vector, then you can transfer that library en masse to another expression vector using automation because the, the reactions are so robust. And you can essentially transfer all of the genes into this new system and thus build a library in a new expression vector that you can then test in high throughput. And we've done this a number of times. It turns out that it's a little bit more complicated for your average lab to do those sort of high throughput transfers, but it's not so complicated that quite a few labs now have the capabilities and the robotics available to do these sort of high throughput transfers. Certainly, any laboratory could transfer a dozen or even a hundred of these relatively easily. If you want to transfer thousands, you need a little bit more technology there to do it. But it's not hard to do. A key element of this for us from the beginning was that if you're going to build this library, you need to build it right. So from the beginning, every clone we produce, we always sequence fully from end to end. We make sure that we pick a single colony, a single clone, and then we fully sequence it so that what we have in the end is well characterized and people can go and find that clone and use it. And that brings up another key point here, which is our philosophy from the beginning has been Every clone we make, we share, and so all the clones we've made, and we're probably now in the 50 to 60,000 number of clones that we've made so far, all of these clones are available. We have a website called DNASU. It's a nonprofit website. 
those five letters, DNASU, and all the clones are available there. People can go looking for their genes of interest and request them, and then we will, we will ship them out at a sort of nominal academic chargeback. So the main goal is to get these clones out to people's hands so that they can use them to do high-throughput studies and so that this is sort of a pre-competitive operation. And one of the key applications of this for us has been to use these to produce proteins. And so we've spent a lot of time working on developing vectors that will allow us to produce proteins either in bacteria or in some cases, more recently, we've been working with cell-free expression systems to produce a protein. The bacteria have the advantage of making proteins relatively inexpensively, and they can, when they work, make huge quantities of protein, up to grams of protein if needed, that you can then use for subsequent biochemical studies. The challenge we've found with bacteria is that there are quite a few human proteins that just simply don't express well in the bacteria or that lead to inclusion bodies or other things where it makes it more difficult to get the protein out. And that's fine if you have a single protein of interest that you want to get because there are all kinds of ways that you can tweak your individual protein by trimming the ends and finding a more stable sequence, you know, trying to cut back any of the unstructured regions of the protein, for example, and you can really optimize your expression and purification conditions for that one protein. A little bit more challenging if your goal is to do high throughput functional studies because there you don't have the luxury of time to be able to tweak every individual protein to get just the optimal expression. So more recently, we've focused a little bit more on cell-free expression of proteins. We've tested a variety of different cell-free systems, including especially most recently wheat germ expression and human cell lysate expression, both of which actually work quite well. Certainly both work well for protein expression. We get very high levels of protein produced in those extracts. Not always easy to recover the protein. You have to still fiddle a little bit. And so we've been playing a little bit with different epitope tags on the proteins that we can use to sort of capture the proteins in high throughput for purification. And some of these are some of the things I might talk about a little bit when I do my presentation coming up in the new year. Speaking of your keynote presentation, when you have it on January 21st, it focuses on in situ protein expression for high throughput protein microarray studies. What will be your main theme and why did you choose it? Yes, thanks. Well, that question really refers to one of the key technologies that we have in our lab, which is our NAPA protein arrays. NAPA stands for Nucleic Acid Programmable Protein Array. And it's a technology whereby we print a full-length cDNA clone, or sometimes we print a cDNA clone that just covers a domain of a protein or a piece of a protein on the chip. And then those arrays, when you print the DNA on the chip, are stable at room temperature as long as you keep them anhydrous. When you want to make protein, then we float in a cell-free extract that does both transcription and translation in situ on the glass slide, produces the protein, and captures it to the surface. There's a lot of advantages to this approach, especially in the context of having a very flexible system. So to build a different array, all it means is doing a different set of genes. The preparative work to print the array is really just doing a lot of DNA mini-preps, and it turns out that DNA mini-preps are much easier to do than high-throughput protein preps are, so it's very easy to prepare lots of DNA. It's also much easier to prepare the same amount of DNA for each gene. When you do high-throughput protein preps, the yield you get from one protein to the other varies dramatically, and that ends up getting reflected on the array surface, and so that you have a few spots that are very abundant, you have some spots that are sort of medium abundance, and then you have quite a few spots where the protein levels are quite low. That's a little bit different on our platform where we get the same amount of DNA at every spot and where the protein expression in situ is so efficient that we get roughly very similar levels of protein from spot to spot. We find that we get somewhere around 90% of our proteins are within twofold of the mean on the array, so we get very even distribution of the proteins on the array. And yet another advantage of this approach is that because we're using cell-free extracts that are often from the same organism, so typically when we make proteins from humans, we're using human ribosomes and human chaperone proteins, 
we have a very good chance of getting well-folded proteins on the array. And so this gives us a much better shot at getting good functional studies. So I'll be talking a little bit more about how we execute that kind of methodology and some of the more recent advances that we've had with trying to improve it in terms of getting higher density and getting more functional studies and so on. Well, we're looking forward to hearing more from you, Josh. So for now, thank you for sharing your thoughts and experiences with us. Great. Well, thanks for having me. That was Dr. Joshua LeBaire of Arizona State University. He'll be giving his keynote presentation at the Recombinant Protein Expression and Production Conference at the upcoming Pep Talk, which runs January 19th through the 23rd in San Diego. If you'd like to hear him in person, go to www.chi-peptalk.com for registration information and enter the key code podcast. I'm Ann Wynn. Thank you for listening.